You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast on the beat. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We are sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. Rate us, review us, follow, however you get your podcast, and subscribe on the YouTube channel to get stuff like this, notifications like this live on the beat podcast. With that, of course, means I've got Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, Manning, the controls, and Luke Buxton rolling in at the nine o'clock hour with an energy drink. Oh, to be young. I freely admit I did have a cup of coffee earlier um, so I could stay awake, not so I could pound through the night. Well, that's not really a good way to put that, Luke. My bad. Uh, let's get into this podcast. Greg, uh, I'll Great start, start with, Tommy. Yeah, I know, really. It's live, too. Can't go back and edit it. Oh, well. Uh, Greg, you know, when the offseason comes, we talked about this a while back, like looking forward to a slowdown, to a time that sort of relaxed a little bit so vacations could happen. You could sort of ease into the summer months. And there have been a few years in Carolina sports that you've been covering this stuff that have been hectic over the summer, 2010. Uh, but I've been thinking about what was the last time at the end of a basketball season and, and this is totally discounting um, spring football, but at the end of a basketball season that has been this nuts around Carolina, I can't think of one. Can you? No, not really. And about the only thing you can really compare it to is um, 2009, 2017, at least from my coverage standpoint, just because for the sole purpose that the national championship game was the first week of, of April. It's, it's the Monday before the Masters, uh, which makes that week so fun. But even then, when you're covering that kind of stuff, you're in the flow. You know what to expect. Um, you know, it's certainly not easy, um, but you, you're kind of prepared for it. And you, you've got the, the grind in, in place and you can kind of roll with it. And then you roll directly into offseason uh, decisions uh, and typically those come out pretty quick and then you wrap up spring football and that's about it i mean north carolina finished their basketball season a month ago and it has been non-stop trying to figure out exactly what's going to take place and uh, you know that's even before roy decided to retire so when, you, when you're talking about one of the best basketball coaches in in the history of the game stepping down uh that's i mean that's that's ripples across the entire country, not just in Chapel Hill or North Carolina. And so, yeah, when you, when you add in all these other components and coaching search and a roster shakeup and transfer portal and all these different things on, on top of the expectations on the football side of things and kind of what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's, it's been chaotic. And uh, I, I think we still have a little bit, a little bit more time to go. At least spring football game is 11 days away. And so I think at least the next two weeks are going to continue to be uh, pretty jam-packed. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Buck always likes to say there is no off-season inside Carolina. That is 
<laughs> that is certainly the case this year. Um, it, it is just beyond crazy. I, I think about what life was without social media and you think about how the Kessler deal would have been without social media or um, about the transfer portal and all this stuff. It's just, it is a nonstop rollover 24 hour news cycle. And, and you guys have been at the, um, at the wheel trying to, trying to drive down whatever roads go. Luke, I'll come into you first. I usually go to Gregory after Greg, but uh, you know, I saw you on the football field um, with Taylor Vipolis talking about football how, how has it been covering inside carolina from from your standpoint or covering carolina for inside carolina from your standpoint these last months well these last what three and a half four weeks yeah i mean kind of talked about it on the on the roy williams retirement podcast but you know to see someone like roy williams retire who i've grown up you know idolizing going to games watching on tv my whole life and then as a fan, and then kind of going as in this position as, a, as an intern with Inside Carolina and covering it in the press conference was kind of surreal. It was, it was tough to wrap my head around. And then obviously you have Hubert Heyer. And then, you know, kind of on the flip end, you have a football team that is preparing to be one of the best teams in the nation. So kind of everything that I've known as a, you know, UNC fan and, and student, growing up and now kind of looking at it and a journalist and it, it's kind of a surreal experience seeing Roy go out, Hubert in, and now looking at also, holy crap, we are on the verge of what it looks like to becoming almost a football school, um, which is something that I never thought I would say. Um, it's been, to answer the initial question you ask, it's been uh, the most exciting time. COVID has kind of been tough with, with us being on all these Zooms conferences and, and having to watch the games. Uh, on and you know on TV and then coming up with some sort of analysis, being able to be at Roy Williams press conference, getting to look him in the eyes, see his emotions, seeing kind of the the players in the back, observing that, and then being at football, getting to kind of see the guys up close, talk to the people after practice. It's kind of been a very uh, reassuring feeling of why we love doing this job, um, and it's exciting. There's no place better to do it than Carolina. There's not many places where you get to cover a Hall of Fame coach's retirement and then get to welcome in a, you know, the number two best three-point percentage uh, player in the NBA as the new head coach. And then also interview a Hall of Famer uh, after you watch the team practice to as high expectations to be a top 10 team in the nation. So kind of all those different feelings. It's been, uh, it's been a peculiar but also very exciting time to be in this job at this special place. Luke, I'm sure Mac Brown has pairs of pants that are older than you and I. Easily. I mean, Tommy, who's Hell, older probably, than, than, than Gregory? So you have a pair of pants that's older than some, 22 years old, Tommy? I'm pretty sure I do. That you could still fit in? Yeah, man. <laughs> Haven't you paid attention to these podcasts and the live show before? Boy, don't make me come over there. And I do know where you live now. So, you know, I'm going to put the headset down and come busting through the door. Gregory's getting too comfortable being on Zoom. When we I know, person, really. We can't, we can't be saying those things anymore, Gregory. What, what's the Mike Tommy's Tyson quote? Yeah, you know, Mike Tyson said folks get too comfortable you know, saying whatever they want without getting punched in the face. Come on, Gregory. Look, let's be serious. You, you came on the Inside Carolina Live show, Gregory, and I thought, you know. Uh, even How would you somebody, grade his performance, Tommy? I thought was it was. His... Well, I was throwing you... in play-by-play. I know, and folks were like, 
keep him on there. <laughs> we don't need to hear y'all talk. Just play play by play from the spring game. I mean, how you feel about that? Look at the look on your face. You're like blown away. You did great. It was great. I love. I mean, I was answering. Joey would ask me a question. I'd be mid sentence. I'd be like, "Look at that pass from Chriswell, fifty yards deep down the field." JJ Jones. Like I was, I was Woody Durham out there. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> ben Ben was asking me what more, what what like what more I wanted to do. I gotta be like play by play. Like put me on the air, right? Like he's coming for your job. Jo- your job, Jones. Watch out. Yeah, really. Um... Dave Nathan, you better watch out. We got Gregory Hall coming rolling in. Uh, no, and you, Gregory, you've been covering the baseball team. And like I told you, I was texting last night, night before last. It's like a little league game. It was literally last night. It was little league. Um, you mentioned social media at the baseball game last night. I was next to Pat James, um, who started his thing covering the baseball team. And it was right when the Walker Kessler news broke. And I just kind of tilted my phone to the left and showed him the Auburn logo. Um, whatnot. And then I had a buddy of mine come over who's an IC subscriber. And he was like, I saw a orange and blue thing out of the corner of my eye. Like I, he knew I was over there and he was like, what was that? And I was like, Oh, it was Walker Kessler to Auburn. And like, that's how fast, like he had no idea. He didn't know the, like he knew following premium stuff. He knew the, it was supposed to come soon, but it literally just me like tilting my phone to the left and seeing the AU logo. He was like, no way. And then came over and was like, is that for real kind of thing? So that there's a little mold between baseball and basketball and just social media and how that, how quickly people could get that news. Um, but no, the baseball team has been fun. And last night was crazy. Um, and that was a big, big turnaround for them because they've been struggling, lost back-to-back series. Scott Forbes challenged them, especially the older guys. It was like, look, when we're get, when we get down, you guys are just kind of folding at the, at bats. You're not, competing you're not if you get down 0-2 you're not working the count and things like that you're not attacking the plate you're not attacking pitches you need to be doing that so the younger guys can see that it's okay to come back it's okay to get down and come back and win they got down on saturday uh, or i guess it ended up being sunday and won 11 to 5 they got down 2-0 yesterday and won 21 to 8 so big weekend for the for the baseball team yeah, there's nothing like being in Boschheimer. And and I love going to football games. I love going to basketball games. But the most fun I ever had in college was going to Boschheimer back in the day when it used to be a little more um, – you could drink what you wanted to over there without having to pay for it. Um, fun times. Greg, let's get into a little bit of news. Uh, I think one of the biggest you – know, Hubert Davis went after Walker Kessler and Joey and Sean and, and Rail have talked about that ad nauseum on the Coast to Coast podcast. I feel like he had to do it. I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. is kind of – I probably would have told him, yeah, we'd love to have him back. He's got a day to decide. That being said, you got to go after one of the best players out there. That's over with. Now he's got to complete a staff and – the news for me was King Rice not being a part of that staff. And I thought that was going to happen. Um, I said on the radio show, and Rail says it all the time, a done deal is not a done deal until it's a done deal. What do we know about what happened with King and Monmouth in Carolina? Well, what we know about the, the King Rice deal is that, that North Carolina made an offer. Um, Monmouth countered, and King decided to, to stay at Monmouth. Now – Here's where things get tricky is because people say, oh, North Carolina should have offered more money. 
North Carolina had, had a very good offer in place. And when you look at kind of what King Rice was making um, as a head coach compared to what UNC's assistants were making, pretty even playing field there. And so when you're talking about, and I don't know exactly what, what Monmouth countered with, but if it's in a legitimate range, right, at what point does your decision become not about money? And I would assume in this situation, there's a lot of emotion involved. I mean, we saw what King Rice did when, when he came to North Carolina a couple of years ago with Monmouth and played, or his team played, and he spoke to us after that game. It's one of the emotional, most emotional post-game speeches you're ever going to see. So you knew right then how much North Carolina means to him. Um, and so what, what was the uh, issue there? And I, for me, when you consider that King Rice and Hubert were teammates at Carolina, it really just probably became a matter of, does he want to take a step back from a head coaching job to a lead assistant? Um, and I mean, you know, in, until we actually talk to King Rice, we're not going to know that the full answer, that's kind of how I viewed it. Um, it wasn't a money thing as much as it was just, you know, probably some reluctance on his part about, do I want to take a step back? Uh, and, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Walker Kessler as well. Um, not the start that Hubert Davis wanted as North Carolina's basketball coach. If, if you're going to go out in your introductory press conference and you're going to swing for the fences and you're going to make your first your first recruiting pitch publicly for the whole world to see, uh, you better nail it. And he didn't. Walker Kessler is going to Auburn. Um, and then you, you make the comments about really wanting Carolina guys on your staff. Um, I have to imagine at that point in time, he probably thought that King Rice was going to join him. And let's, let's be clear here. If King Rice joins his staff, I mean, it really doesn't matter who you get as the other two assistants. I mean, that's a home run. And it, I've, I've been of the opinion that if, if you're going to have Hubert Davis as your head coach, at least initially, you've got to have somebody with experience beside him to help out. That's just a critical aspect. I mean, he's, he's only been an assistant coach for a few years. He's never been a head coach other than the JV team. Um, and so when you make some proclamations like that in your introductory press conference and uh, – two of those big recruiting pitches don't land, that's not the start you want. Um, and so we, as you say, is, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, he's, he's got some ground to make up. He needs to make some, some good moves here. Um, Armando Bacot just became the biggest recruit on the, on the planet for Hubert. And uh, that's possibly, probably out of his hands. It's really going to come down to what NBA scouts tell Armando. That's, I mean, that's not a Hubert thing. That's what we knew about Armando, you know, when he came to North Carolina. Um, so, you know, a difficult start, but plenty of time to, to, to make corrections, uh, but, but certainly not the way he wanted to begin his, his tenure as UNC's men's basketball coach. Tommy, you know, what did I say Hubert needed to do in his first, when we were talking about that? What, what, do you remember what I said that was needed to be his goal his first week or so? I don't remember attacking attacking the portal. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I said Walker first because everyone was saying get Walker back. Well, he didn't get Walker. 
He got Justin McCoy, who I think is a testament of the type of player and type of system that Hubert wants. And then they he reached out to that Creighton kid and offered him a scholarship. Another guy who wants to play to be a stretch. I think if he can get those types of players consistently and soon, then I think it's okay. And because the Walker deal a lot went in, a lot more went into it than just getting him back to UNC because we mentioned social media. I mean, the amount of backlash he got for leaving and then coming back as just a whole, I don't, I think that would have been too much for him regardless of system, but to Greg's point, Hubert needed to get that because it was a worldwide recruiting pitch, which we never see um, much less in this day and age with the transfer portal. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there before you moved on. No, I'm going to stay here for a second. You're right about the portal. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people, fretting that they're not deeper into the portal at the moment and i don't want to go to this is sherelle's um, ballpark here uh, but there's a how many 1100 kids in the portal players 12, in the portal right 1200, now 1250 um, i mean surely there's a few guys that can be what carolina would need right that the goal is to find them and, and to get them to chapel hill um and i'm not necessarily sure that kessler accomplished that goal but he had to go after him he had to do what he had to do um here's my thought greg and i and luke i want you to comment but i want to ask greg this first when mac brown was hired and this is mac hall of fame brown was hired we based or a lot of people i didn't but a lot of people based whether or not the hire of mac was good completely depending on what staff he had and now we're talking about Hubert Davis trying to fill out a staff um, and, and missing out. I mean, the pressure is immense on this guy. Is it not, Greg? Or is Absol- it? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. He had a, he had a lot of power uh, kind of in support behind him from the Carolina family. Um, and as, as we've talked about on this podcast, by going this route uh, – Fans, whether they want to or not, are going to have to give him some grace. They're going to have to allow him to learn on the job because he has never had a job like this before, nothing close. And so there's going to be ups and downs, and this is going to be more than just one year. This is not a guy, uh, just because of his experience or lack thereof as a coach, who's going to be the best he's going to be even next year or maybe in the year after. Um, you know, Maybe in five years, he's an elite guy. Uh, maybe sooner than that. And that's I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he could be like Jawan Howard. Yep, he could. But there's a reason Jawan Howard's such a big story. It's because it's rare that that happens. Um, yeah, and so the thing with Mac Brown, um, obviously we know he's a Hall of Fame coach. We know that he knows how to do it. The, the issue there was things fell apart and he kind of lost his way a little bit at the end of Texas. And then he was out of the business for five years. So the concern was, okay, uh he hadn't been around he's been sitting in a tv analyst seat for five years things didn't end well at texas i mean is he just gonna get the gang back together again and try to run into the you know right off into the sunset um and that's why there was a lot of concern and question marks about it but then after the greg robinson fiasco you get jay bateman and phil longo and now all of a sudden you're saying all right like those are progressive guys these are big names big up and coming names in the profession let's give him a shot and then 
combined scheme with his ability to, to sell ice to Eskimos, as the saying's gone for 30, 40 years with the Mac. Uh, and we see what's going on now. Hubert, we just don't know kind of what he's working from. And so maybe he is the savant, right? Maybe he is. I, mean, I think North Carolina fans hope he is, but we don't know. And so every little move that he makes, both recruiting-wise and in terms of uh, coaching staff decisions, is going to be critiqued. And I think that's fair. But to your point, it's a ton of pressure. And the only way he gets out from under that pressure is by performing. Luke, you, you know, Hubert went all in on all this stuff. I, I mean, what has to happen for Hubert over these next couple months to sort of – well, couple, even a couple weeks or a month to satisfy the masses? I mean, Inside Carolina subscribers are amazing, but they're also the most diehard. I mean, I, I see people all the time in my real world that ask me questions, and I'm like, do you subscribe to Inside Carolina? And they're like, what's Inside Carolina? You know, it, so there's there's millions of people out there that um, just see what's posted on uh, your free media or newspapers and all that. But for Inside Carolina purposes and, and Carolina purposes, what does Hubert need to accomplish here over the next couple of months, a couple of weeks over the next couple of months? Yeah, first off, you're totally right about the Inside Carolina subscribers. You got a couple of friends who are IC subscribers who are, trying to feed me information like I haven't even heard that I'm, I'm at all the press conferences so um, they are intense and Hubert does have to act fast I will say kind of going off um, on his press conference his introductory press conference I think he it was tough and I think he, he put himself in a little bit of predicament making some of those statements and a lot of the statements were on questions that he wasn't ready to answer so he had his opening statement. I think he knew kind of the messaging he wanted to convey. But then when Mark Armstrong asked him about Kessler, someone asked him about the Carolina family assistant coaches. I don't know if he was prepared to answer those questions. And I think with the kind of pressure that came with that press conference, I don't know if he would have said the same things again. Because locking yourself in a Carolina family and then missing out on King Rice and then you know fervently trying to get Walker Kessler – and missing out on Kessler, put yourself in a bad situation. Uh, so I think he would have taken back, or at least in the way he said those answers so passionately, I think he maybe would have changed it to me. To answer your initial question about what does he need to do, I think it's really just filling out this team, right? Like right now, Kessler's gone. Brooks is gone. Sharp's gone. Baycott, very likely to return, in my opinion, and from, from what I've heard. But as of now, he's – technically not, you know, a hundred percent coming back. So he needs to get guys in bench seats or on the floor. So that's, you know, going after uh, transfers. Um, that's either um, looking and, and getting on the recruiting trail, but he needs to fill the roster no matter who it is right now. UNC doesn't have people on the team. So the first priority is just getting as many people um, you know, in many conversations and making sure it's the right fit, but then getting people on the team. And then the assistant coaches, you know, I think uh, Jeff Lebo's would be a great hire. Um, and I think it's a shame that he locked himself in the Carolina family because I think it's there, there are some other candidates who could do pretty well, which is why I think you may think a guy like Brad, you know, Frederick may actually uh, end up filling one of those roles uh, if they can't find anybody else. Um, but I think most importantly, it's like it doesn't really exactly – 
um, matter if you get the perfect fit, because I don't think you ever know if you get the perfect fit or not. You need somebody on the team. Uh, and he's really got to, you know, McCoy was a success, but obviously the way Kessler went, you need to get some big men and you need to get them in the seat fast before Carolina fans and even the players on the current team right now are going to start to worry. It's a, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that Hubert's got going on and, and whoever fills out his staff, of course, if you're inside Carolina premium subscriber, you've read um, the latest updates um, that are, that are posted and you need to check them out if you're not. Um, last basketball related question, Greg, um, do you think, or will there be, and I've asked you this before, but now it is pretty much paramount. Do you think there'll be any admissions issues or is that kind of gone by the wayside at Carolina or is that still the big thing with, cause Justin McCoy is the first traditional transfer since when 90, whenever McTar came. And then there's very few yeah. after that. There's probably a handful. I mean, how does that all work? Clearly coming from Virginia, you would assume that he's a good student. But That's what I was going to say. Like, he's coming from one of the, the top academic institutions in the country. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I think the fact that, that Roy never went that route and only brought in the, the four grad transfers, uh, we knew that that wasn't his preference. And because it wasn't his preference, that means his assistant coaches, including Hubert Davis, never went that route and never even wasted their time trying to recruit regular transfers or in work out of a portal type deal. Um, so this is new to Hubert, not just because he's a new coach, it's because he has a coaching staff. They never dealt with it. So I'm sure that's part of the, uh, the issue as well Is I'm sure there's a number of guys that they, they would like to jump on, but I mean, you, you don't want to dive in on somebody without knowing kind of how they set up academically. And it's just always been an issue. You know, football, basketball, we've talked about it time and time again over the years. Um, and it is what it is. And I know they've, they've, they've been pleased made to kind of adjust things. And I don't know exactly where it stands now. I don't think it's quite as stringent as it once was. Uh, but that's still something that Hubert has to navigate. Um, and I don't think that's something that's a, a quick phone call. Say, hey, uh, kind of what are, what's the benchmark here? This guy's, you know, got a two, two. Is that, is that fine? There's a lot more in depth to it than that. Uh, and so he's having to learn that on the fly. And the fact that he does not have a staff in place, um, other than, you know, a couple guys who are helping him, I think he's doing the bulk of the work right now. And so that makes it challenging. Um, you know, the, the fact that they were able to get a guy like McCoy who, and let, you know, there's somebody that Roy wanted anyway. So they knew he had good academics coming out of high school. So that was a, I don't want to say it was an easy get, but it's a, about as simple and, and seamless as you can find, right? A, a kid at a good academic institution, you already know, you know his past. Um, and it's really saying, okay, what, what'd you do the last two years? And let's see if that's still a fit for us and check the boxes and move on. So it's going to be a lot more in depth and complicated with these other guys. And that's, that's just another hurdle that, that Hubert's facing. Yeah, and then you got, you know, random dudes jump in the portal and everybody's like, we got to have that guy. We got to get that guy. Carolina, we, 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 we do this, do this. You know, got to offer. Um, I said a long time ago I'd offer the Graves brothers from Eastern Washington or wherever they're from. I'd offer them first. <laughs> Man, you, you, come one, come off. Anyway. Hubert says he wants some dudes. Those, are, those guys are some dudes. Like, you don't get more dude than that guy. 
That is a, uh, yeah, you get whooped by a headband and a beard. Look like Grizzly Adams out there torching folks. Uh, anyway, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm sure Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, and Luke Buxton will be covering all the latest stuff. And, of course, Sherelle McMillan will have all the basketball recruiting stuff. So stay on Inside Carolina. I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about basketball. No, excuse me, talk about football. Uh, Matt Brown met with the media today. Carolina had open practice that we mentioned earlier over the weekend. And in a couple weeks, the spring game comes. But first, Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Uh, people on the YouTube live stream like to clown me for talking about Johnny T-Shirt. You know how you can clown me the best? Go get some Johnny T-Shirt and get some T-Shirts and sweatshirts and whatever you need, beach gear. Um, and all the jerseys, that baseball jersey. That's one thing I'm jealous of of you, Gregory. You get to go hang out in the Bosch and see those swag uniforms, man. Carolina baseball are the best uniforms out there. And Johnny T-shirts got them for sale. Support them. They support us. And if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, you get 10% off your order. It saves you some money. National guys need to pay some bills. Let's let them do it. We'll be right back on The Beat Live. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, boys, we're back on to be live. If you're with us on YouTube, shout out to Gregory Hall for getting this back up and running. Luke Buxton. Seamless. Yeah. I mean, you missed the best part. The folks on YouTube live stream missed all the scoop, all the breaking free scoop. What do I tell them now? They'll be adding me on Twitter, <laughs> and they'll be like, what the? <laughs> I didn't know Greg Barnes is such a geography guy. Look at the background. A little compass, a little map. Compass. Man, we can't. While we're waiting Story on Greg. G well, Biggie. So while we're waiting on Greg, let's talk about our rooms here. We're not going to talk about illegal stuff. Come so on. Greg, oh, Gregory, the, the <laughs> Gregory, uh, explain the flag for our listeners while we like wait for Greg Barnes. Uh, spent about nine weeks. How do I? You're there, Vanna. Vanna White. Do you know who Vanna White is? I do know who Vanna White is. Okay. I spent about nine weeks in Greece over summer, and it was, I went to, oh God, I, I had the number memorized at one point, I think 27 different places in just Greece. I had plans of like bouncing around Europe, but there were just so many different places in Greece to go to. I just stayed in the country. And this Coliseum was actually. And all that kind of stuff. That's Coliseum. Rome. That's Rome. Um, the oh. Coliseums in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I took Geography 101. It was rocks for jobs. No, but I got this flag. Um, they had a big election. And I got this. Geology. Damn, I'm sorry. I'm oh, my God. Go. You're struggling right here. Yeah, really. And I got this flag at a uh, rally for their current 
president who uh, won the election. So someone handed me that flag, and that's the story behind that. Very cool. I like how you've got – is that the LED lights around it? Yeah, that's uh, my beautiful face. Doesn't isn't dark. TikTok lights. Nice. Luke Buxton, I mean – Aside from the illegal stuff, and I see a Dean Smith picture back there. What's the one over there? Is that the old high school football team over your shoulder? Dean Smith and then 1954 Dodgers, Brooklyn Dodgers, with okay. uh, Mr. Mr. Robinson on that team. And then Respect. to my right, a pile of books. So you guys think I read. What, um, what, what kind of books you got? My, my teachers. My teachers think I read. It's mostly – it's a lot of um, – business leadership books we got peter drucker uh good to great jim collins and then a couple sports history books glory of times baseball Ray thompson and then a, a chess strategy book for so luke can take over the world chess, chess hobby greg we we started talking about our rooms because when you left they noticed all your all your maps and things like that mm-hmm. what's the meaning to the map behind you because i you used to have an encompass uh, just because, you know, for me domestically, I've traveled a ton, um, for work. Let's see here. Subtle flex right there. I'm not, I'm trying to find, I don't know where it's at. I've got a, my wife made me something that's got every, uh, every byline, every dateline that, that I've written from different locations and it's extensive. It's all over the country. I think I guess the only place I've gone out of the country for work is the Bahamas a couple of times. Um, but she travels for work as well and she goes internationally. So she's been to Japan and uh, Europe and, and all kinds of places like that. So we uh, we've been to a lot of places. And so we've just kind of uh, we got us a map and we mark everywhere we've been. So it's just something fun we've done for a number of years to kind of track cool. everywhere we've been. Do you have pins in it or what? Are you we do. Just... Yep. Yep. So like my highlights are like Shreveport, right? Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> She's Detroit. got like Berlin and Tokyo. And, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That helmet that's behind me, that's Helmet State, folks. If you like that. Now, that's the real deal. That's TJ Thorpe's black helmet. But that's Helmet State University. Follow him on Instagram. He does uh, awesome work. Nice. And of course, that's the basketballs. And over there – I need to be a weather person. That's Dean Smith uh, record-breaking ball. Yeah, really. There's a cold front coming here. And, and I do have something that's pretty cool somewhere in here. Greg, you missed it, but Tommy asked me if I saw the Coliseum while it was in Greece. I know it's in Rome. Come on, man. Why you call me out? I've got something in here. Yeah, it's in the same part of the world. Something in here. Greg, did you ever get one of the posters of the Inside Carolina magazine covers? I did not. Being- no, we got a cool one at the office, though. Yeah, so I've got – I think I've got that around here somewhere. Sorry, Ben, I don't have Tom, it. Tom, we got a question about uh, Jonas. I do. Go ahead. Jonas, I do. That sounds like a Sherelle question, but if you can answer it, go ahead. I was going to look to Greg. <laughs> yeah. Greg's like, oh. I told you. I'd you heard it didn't look good, but uh, other than that, interest. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I, would, I don't know the, if the person asked question in the chat, there's your answer. I don't know yeah. if those interest is a right term, but it's definitely something that he hasn't. We haven't gotten reports of Hubert technically offering I do yet, correct? 
That's a real question that I do not I know the answer to. I'd offer everybody. And on twelve fifty, I'd tell them no. It, it, no, we don't like you. We can't. Never mind. Anyway, let's talk about football. Greg Mac Brown uh, continues to lead the country in swag. Um, but what's his mood for this team um, going into what I guess tenth? Is it so? They've got what five practices left? Spring game on the twenty fourth counts as one of those. So they've got yep. three, two this week, maybe a couple next week, and then the spring game. What, what's Mac Brown's move mood here? Yeah, they've got Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, I think Friday, and then the spring game. So that's we're rapidly gearing down. Um, I think Max mindset i think he's a little bit more subdued than maybe some other coaches on his staff but i think the storyline of this spring ball has been trench warfare and that they really like what they've got on the offensive line and it's very promising what they have on the defensive line and we've talked so many times over the years tommy uh you're not going to be able to play big boy football until you can dominate on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Virginia was not as good of a football team as North Carolina was last year. They won because they won the trenches. And we know what, what Notre Dame and Texas A&M did. And that was because of what they did at the line of scrimmage. And the fact that William Barnes apparently has become the breakout story on the offensive line. Um, and we know he's got the talent. It's just been a matter of kind of clicking for him that's a huge development because they really like Ed Montalus. And then when you add in a kind of a veteran guy like Kieran Johnson, I mean, they've got eight guys right there that they really like. And that doesn't count somebody like Jonathan Adorno, who they really think is going to be a good player and who was kind of one of the guys they had to lean on last year. And then defensive line wise, I mean, they got all kinds of guys that they like. Uh, and so I think uh, everything we've heard is that the, uh, coordinators are just ecstatic with what's happening at the line of scrimmage and um as i said max a little bit more subdued about it but i think he knows he, he's got a promising team anytime you have a guy like sam howell uh, that makes everything so much easier for you but you can add in some playmakers and some tough dudes in the trenches and uh, you've got the makings of a, of a very good football team this this is i don't know if i'm reading into this too much I'm not reading into it at all, but I'm just saying like, this is the like lowest amount that we've heard the name Sam Howell when talking like ever since he got here. I like, I think that's a testament to how confident they are in him and a testament to look, we know what Sam's going to do. What's everyone else going to do? And I thought it was very interesting today because CL Brown asked, and I thought it was a good question specifically about Sam. Like he had such a phenomenal first two years, Right. How do you make sure that he's not complacent and how do you continue to push him? And Mac was like, eh, we're not worried about him. And then quickly shifted to the other guys. Literally. Yeah. And so we got like two quotes on Sam Howe in 40 minutes. So it's not just us not asking the right questions. It's Mac like, eh, I'm not worried with Sam. Like he's going to be Sam. So that, that, I mean, clearly that bodes well. And we saw a lot more Chris well and Drake may to Tommy's excitement on Saturday than we did Sam. I mean, you see Sam at the beginning and then it's like, all right, Oh yeah, there's Sam 50 yard down 50 yard 
dime right on the money. All right. Sounds good. He's still doing well. Get, <laughs> get him out there. And then while he's not out there though, it's important to know. And Luke, um, we saw this is he was sitting there. He was sitting back there when Jacoby was at, he was talking to Drake may and he's literally like actively coaching while the other guys are in there. He's basically a Phil Longo out there, which they've joked around before that. I mean, heck, Sam could be the offensive coordinator if he wanted to. I think Mac made the joke when Phil interviewed for a job. He was like, Sam, we might need you out there. And Sam was like, I'll do it. So. Well, I think, you know, guys want to hear it from the coaches, but when they hear it from a player, especially somebody that's done so well as, as Hal has, are we surprised that Drake May is pressing in the spring? Did I hear Mike Brown talk about that, Luke? Say it again. Are we surprised that Drake May is pressing a little bit in the spring? Didn't I hear Mike say that? Yes. What do you mean by by pressing? Okay, let's. Uh, Greg, what do I mean by pressing? Well, just the fact that he's trying to do a little too much. He's, he's trying to instead of accepting kind of what his role is, he's trying maybe to impress the, the coaches and his teammates. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, with Chriswell, Chriswell seems like he's settled in. Chriswell looked like he was pressing last fall and now yeah. it's sort of it's interesting to see that dynamic it makes sense i mean when you come i mean we get you know we forget that drake may didn't have a, a high school season so when you're coming off kind of you know this whole gap not playing football you're being touted as one of the best quarterbacks pro stock quarterbacks in the nation you come in your brother won a national championship here your dad was a great quarterback here I think it makes sense that you're going to come in and you're going to try to win the job, you know, or do the best you can or win that backup job. So I don't think it's anything that anyone should be worried about. I think it's a pretty natural thing for freshmen to do. Um, but I think what Matt Brown has been saying is we don't want to name a backup QB in the spring. It's going to be something that goes on to fall camp. We want these guys to understand the offense, get their reps, and then we'll worry about that later. So I think it's all about Drake May kind of calming down, understanding the offense that, that Sam Howell has, you know, that's kind of what, what made him, I think, great is he really understood Carolina's offense and, and became a genius of that scheme and, and Longo's scheme. So it's going to be how can how can Drake May settle down, take the, the basics, the fundamentals, learn the schemes, learn the plays, and then go out there and, and, and prove what your arm and your legs can do. Is it realistic, and Gregory, you can start this, is it realistic to have four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster? Is that a realistic thing this day and age? I don't know. I think three is probably the magic number. Um, and then you kind of have that fourth is like an emergency. Um, because like when Matt got here and it was, excuse me, it was Cade for and Jace Reuter and Sam Howell that were all competing right? Sam Howell won. We all know that. Jace was then kind of either chose to stay and was listed as number two and then Cade's gone. So then you have four, right? Because there was a fourth. Some I don't know if there was a fourth at the time, but say now that same thing kind of say there's that same competition now is kind of what I'm getting at. Say Sam, Criswell, and Drake May are all fighting for a spot. Sam wins it. One of them leaves transfers and is like, all right, I'll go start somewhere else. 
And then your fourth kind of moves up to that third spot. So I think four could be realistic given that aspect. But with this lineup, I'm not sure. Because with Sam most likely gone at the end of this year, or I guess next year, then you've got Criswell and Drake May fighting for a spot. With They might both think that they earn it, but then if Criswell gets it, right, then the expectation is, all right, you got Criswell for a year. And then Drake's going to be like, well, now it's I want it to be my turn. I don't want to wait two years before I get the chance because then it's his draft year. And then he only has one year before he goes pro versus Chris will having, like, you know what I mean? Like it can get jumbled up moving forward as far as having the numbers they have now, but as far as hierarchy of, because obviously the focus is not what's Drake may going to give us in two years. The focus is how can we get to the college football playoff this year? And if Sam gets hurt, they want to have Chris well in may ready kind of deal. Um, so I don't know, I guess for it to be realistic, but it also could not be realistic. It's just kind of a depends on situation type of answer. Yeah, yeah Greg. And I, and please let folks understand, we're not talking about people leaving or anything like none right, of that. Right, right. Just, that was all hypothetical. Based yeah, on how merely speculating work. on Max saying he wanted four, four quarterbacks. I mean, was it two years ago that Amendola turned out to be the backup? Yeah. It was because yeah. Ruder was hurt. Yeah, Fortin uh, was hurt. Yeah, That's so a scenario you want for. <laughs> yeah, so so, Greg, how difficult is that? All the other positions, I feel like you can have countless guys. You know, and, and maybe if a fifth string wants to leave, I, I can see that. But quarterback, we're going to see Matt, if Mac Brown's really a quarterback whisperer here. Um, I think with these three guys and then you add in Jefferson Boaz because there's no question that Sam Howell's playing all the time unless they're at a point where they can pull him and not lose anything, uh, you know, not lose a game or whatever. But it's going to be a, a fine line looking ahead to 2022, I think. Yeah, and there's several several things of note here that I find fascinating. One, uh, Mac is up front saying he wants four scholarship guys. And a lot of that is because of the injury situation. Um, with the transfer portal situation, the way it's set up, I found it intriguing today that uh, they're doing some hard evaluations with a variety of positions next two weeks. And after spring practice wraps up, they're going to have conversations that he's never had before. And it's going to be, hey, you know, we think if you continue to develop you could be a key player for us. Maybe you could, you know, and I'll, I'll just use quarterback since we're talking about quarterback. Maybe you could, you could work your way up to being the backup quarterback and then who knows what happens. Uh, or, you know what? We just don't see you being the guy that's going to lead this program. We think you're a good teammate. We think you're a good uh, locker room guy. We just don't think that you're in position with your skill set to help us win an ACC championship. And when you have that conversation, it quickly becomes, okay, are you committed to UNC and to us? And we can help you develop and we can help you get better and we'll see how things turn out. Or having heard that, do you want to transfer? Because we have this transfer portal in place now that we've never had before. So they're going to be having these conversations with kids like in three weeks, four weeks. Hey, transfer portal is available. If these, you if we're not checking these boxes for you, let's go ahead and get this figured out so we know how to proceed. And I mean, that's, that's new territory. 
So that that's part of the interesting thing. The other thing is what the fan base will absolutely love. Because if you go back to the first Mac Brown era, what did he do with his quarterbacks quite a bit, Tommy? Uh, did he rotate them? He rotated them. And he yeah. even mentioned that in terms of maybe with Drake May and Jacoby Criswell, maybe two guys play. Maybe you platoon them. Um, and the fan base will love that. The message board would be great. He um, loves that Mac <laughs> knows how to play the game. He says that on he purpose, does. low key. I feel like he's got a burner on IC and he's like, watch out for rotating. If he imagine. <laughs> but even at Texas, you know, he was not afraid to take that approach. But he did that a lot at North Carolina, uh, first time around. He has no issue with doing that. And I don't know a lot of people, that's a that's a touchy subject for a variety of reasons. Um, <laughs> but that's one way you get around it. You know, if you want to keep four scholarship players and you don't have Sam Howell as your quarterback, and you've got two guys that are, you know, step down, but they're about the same, but maybe they bring different skill sets. Sure. Why not use both of them? And all of a sudden that, that depth chart shrinks just because two guys are playing. Folks on the YouTube chat, there's plenty of news um, from Sherelle on the Inside Carolina premium basketball boards that continues to break as we do these podcasts. Uh, let's go – let's wrap this one up. Let's go offense and defense. One player on each side of the ball, uh, each person here on the panel, breakout for the spring um, that will assume the Bryn Renner Award for the spring. <laughs> Greg laughs because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Bryn Renner went off on spring game his freshman year, was it, Greg? 2010. And it was uh, – he's going to be the starter without question. They got to sit T.J. Yates. He was so good we, in that game too. <laughs> he really was in front of 20,000 people, 25,000, yeah. whatever it was. I still think T.J. Yates might be the most underrated Carolina player <laughs> ever. Uh, Luke Buxton, give me an offensive player, defensive player that has, has broken out or will break out, and you guys cannot double up. So if Luke takes somebody that y'all are thinking about, Think of another one. Let's go. Offense and um, I love Josh Downs. I think he is a deep threat. I think he can run those medium routes. He can run quick slant, short route. I think he is such a diverse route runner. Um, great hands, fast, agile, quick. I think he is going to be Sam Howell's number one target in the spring game and also moving forward into the 2021 season on the defense end. I'm not going to go with a super obvious one, given the nature of the question. So I'll go with Conley. I think Conley in the practice I watch, it looks like I just took maybe both the Gregory's, which I love. Um, but Conley, he, he's had, I think what stands out to me the most is he's not only a hard hitter, he's not only quick, but his instincts are, are so good. He just seems to know where to be on the field at all times. And he's always in the right position. Uh, and he's a great communicator as well. He's really vocal in that practice. So uh, Conley and Downs are, are my two guys to look out for. All right, Gregory, since you uh, threw your hands up in disgust. Oh, let, me, let me go last. I'm going to go last, see if I have enough players in my head. Are you seriously going to ask to go after Greg Barnes? Okay, that's fair, I guess. You got another um, role. I'll let Greg. I'll let Greg roll it out. Um, <laughs> offense. I think fans with their rose-colored glasses after Michael Carter, Javante Williams, are going to be extremely excited for Ty Chandler. 
And not to say that he's not going to end up being the player that they think he's going to be, because I think he has that potential. The play, it wasn't even the play that Mag talked about today, which I had to go back and think about the play Mag was talking about as far as there was a pass protection breakdown and Ty, Ty Chandler stood up and took on Miles Murphy head to head. I had that written down in my notes, but it was just not something that I, I don't know, remembered. I guess that's because I'm not a coach and don't remember running backs necessarily blocking. But the play that I that stood out to me with Ty Chandler was it was just a normal run to the outside to the left and he ran into a brick wall he ran into two guys I don't necessarily remember who it was but there were two defenders who he was looking right on shoulders squared and there was nowhere for him to go and he just made a subtle move to the left and he was to the outside and he was 15 yards down the field before either defender could even turn around it feel it felt like he has that kind of quick burst that I think he'll show in the spring game and that could get fans pretty excited. So that's Ty Chandler's my, my guy on offense. And then on defense, I'm going to go with Ra Ra Dilworth because he was the guy that impressed me the most in the scrimmage on Saturday. He didn't get the reps that he necessarily is going to get in this. Well, he got more reps than I think he might get in the spring game. Just, well, depends on how much Jeremiah Gimmel plays in the spring game, which he might not play a lot because he didn't play at all in the scrimmage. And Ra Ra Dilworth kind of got those those reps. And what impressed me about him was his decision-making with either I need to drop back in coverage or I need to get in the backfield and I need to make a play. His ability, once he re- recognized that it was a run, to burst through the line and right behind his big guys, whether it was Miles Murphy, Cayman Rucker, whatever defensive lineman was disrupting, he was right there. And if Miles Murphy got the first hit, but the running backs kept trucking because a lot of them did a pretty good job keeping their feet moving. Ra Ra was right there, swallowed him up and put him on the ground. So those are my two guys. Interesting. Greg Barnes, you can close it. So offensively, I, I don't know that there's many uh, non-obvious answers besides who these gentlemen have already picked. Uh, I, I do think because Choffrey Brown and Bo Corrales are out Currently, um, I, I think the opportunity is there for Antoine Green to finally step up. In terms of skill set, uh, he may have the, the best of the bunch. It's, it's kind of been like a William Barnes situation where they've just been waiting for it to kind of click for him mentally in terms of what he needs to do. Uh, I think the opportunity is there for him. Uh, there has been some word that, that he's making the right steps forward. And I think, as we've talked about before, we, we know what Bo Corrales can do. They, they think the world of Josh Downs. If Antoine Green can kind of live up to his hype and potential, which he hasn't done yet, but if he can do that, I mean, this, this offense can be every bit as good, at least in the passing game, as it was last year. And that's saying something. Uh, defensively, I mean, the name of the game for this defense, yes, up front matters, but I think even more so than that, is being able to generate a pass rush. And uh, it would be very easy for me to cheat and say Chris Collins and Kamon Rucker. Uh, I, I won't do that. So I'm going to go with Rucker just because I, I think they know what Tamon Fox can do. But to be able to put Rucker at a variety of positions because he is playing uh, both outside linebacker and the 4-I the 
technique. And he's actually going out to the to the nine a little bit, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but they like what he can do. And so they're teaching him how to drop into coverage. But his job primarily is going to be getting after the quarterback because he has such a quick first burst. He's strong because he's got incredible leverage, even though he's not a very big guy. Uh, I think if they can they can counterweight uh, Fox with with Rucker, all of a sudden you've got a legitimate pass rushing duo, and that completely changes what Jay Bateman can do defensively. And I think that'll be a key development for this team in the fall. Go ahead, Gregory. I see your hand. Uh... Greg mentioned Tamon Fox, so this is just a, a fun little over-under that I wanted to ask. He got six and a half sacks in 2019 and seven sacks last year. So over under eight and a half sacks for this upcoming season. Under. It's more play. I think more players could could come take his spot. King, you know, Bingley Jones, Miles Murphy, kind of all we mentioned. Um, I think could kind of limit those those numbers. If yeah, you just to, said seven, I'd have said over, but eight and a half, I'm going to say under. Yeah, to, to Luke's point, I think North Carolina as a team will have more sacks, but Fox's numbers will probably be pared down a little bit. Yeah, By the way, I, I got some – I disagree, got, but – Got some flack in the chat for saying Josh Downs. Supposedly that wasn't Bryn Renner enough. So I'm going Justin Olsen. Come on. Get I was there. thinking – I was the candidate for Bryn Renner. Award. I was thinking Justin about Olsen. Justin Olsen. It looks like I could go guard that dude, and I saw him blow past the guy and make like a <laughs> diving catch. I was like, "Who is out there? Like, that's my that looks like me." Um, supposedly, um, <laughs> who looks like you, Justin? Olsen? Yeah, look, next time you're on the field, that guy's gonna like, that take you be, out. It looked like no, I'm serious. Like, I looked at that kid. I mean, obviously, watched him last season, but I looked at him. I was like, "Did did he win an award?" I was like, did he win an award being out there? And I looked him up, watched his highlight tape, and I saw him in the game. And I was like, this guy can ball. So, if he, you know, Josh Downs, I'll give him the chat. Probably that was a little a little expected. <laughs> Even though seven catches last year, come on, it's not not guaranteed. But Justin Olsen, that's my broom runner pick. Put it in chalk. It's uh, it's it's official. It's going to happen. I'm I noticed. The stars now. You're the one who came up with the award. I, I noticed that people said uh, that I needed to explain Bryn Renner more. Y'all know what I mean, right? Bryn Renner, like I said earlier, went off in the 2010 spring game, became everybody's favorite player. It's someone you drafted in our fantasy draft, I believe. Did I? I had Durant as my starter. Oh, no, that's what I'm thinking of. All right. Anything else we have not covered? Yeah, give us your two players. Come on. Javari Ritzy. Nice. Good pick. I think he will – if he stays healthy, we will talk about him um, most Saturdays in the fall. On offense, I mean, it's tough to pick a senior, but I think Garrett Walston's going to have a bigger year. Um, That's a similar pick to Josh Downs, but not quite because he hasn't really been talked about. So I'm okay with that. Well, I mean, I think he's going to be pretty good. I think he may steal some of the receptions from the running backs. Um, okay. You know, because he's, I think he's going to be a, we'll call him the Zach Pianalto for Sam Howell, maybe, even though I think Bo Corrales is probably actually that guy. But, uh, you know, it's just tough on offense. Howell will spread it around. I, I'm Garrett see- laid the, he laid the biggest hit of the scrimmage. I mean, he actually, he, not actually, he 100% put, I think it was, I think it was Don Chapman. And one of the touchdowns, he put Don Chapman into the ground. Well, I mean, that's not really a fair fight, is it? I know, but it was just 
I don't know why Chapman even tried to, it was either Chapman or Obi Agbuna. And they like met at the goal line, like shoulder, like shoulder to shoulder. And then Garrett got on top and whoever was the defender came up and had like a chunk of grass in his face mask. It was just a big hit. Were they playing on turf? How do you get a chunk of grass in the turf? I have no idea. <laughs> well, I don't know what it maybe it was his mouth. Maybe it was his I don't know. I'm gonna start in the podcast right now. That is so uh, they, or they do just, play on turf. What what was it then? Is it could have been guard? The, it could have been the rubber tires? I don't know. I wasn't there. You y'all could have I have told like 30 people that story. <laughs> and not no, one I, of I, them, not one of them has said, Don't they play on turf? The Thank fish, you, Tommy. Thank you, Tommy, for that. being rubber on top. Pellets make sense. Rubber pellets make sense. I used to get uh, my whole boot was filled with our pellets. And I played on turf. This was that was when Luke was scoring touchdowns and running past people, aka like Josh Olson or Justin Olson. Justin Olson. I'm telling, I'm telling you, I looked at him, I was like, "This dude is a bona fide scrub." You're gonna be walking, <laughs> you're gonna be walking across campus play. and get taken out. <laughs> he can play. Greg Barnes, um, is it time to get out of here? I think it someone is. Someone keeps yes, yes. Who has the lowest golf handicap? And I just think that's unfair, considering we have a former like. Tour, like I don't know, tour pro, no, not club pro. Player. Yes, don't, that's pro. not fair. Quite a distinction there. Whatever, he's all the same to me. Greg um, Barnes is a three, and I don't. I wouldn't give him three. I'd, I'd maybe make you go plus one, Greg, if we played. I got Ooh. down to a seventeen point eight last year, so that's good. I'm playing Chapel Ridge tomorrow with Pat James. I'll let you know how it goes. That's a, that's a good little track. Let me know what kind of shape it's in. We need to get together and play. We'll challenge this four group right here. We'll challenge anybody out there. Live stream. Me, me and That'd Greg be fun. versus Gregory and Tommy. We'll put the the enemies no. in the same. Okay. Team. Why do you get know. Greg? Why do you get Greg? Yeah, no. I'm the worst one here. I think it should be the three of us versus Greg. Like, I mean, I wouldn't take that. Just be honest yeah. with you. That's like that's like Tommy's Baylor and Gonzaga versus Spread Bet. <laughs> <laughs> All True. right, boys, it's been fun. Uh, <laughs> we'll do this again maybe next week as we lead into the spring game, and uh. Inside Carolina Live or I see live before the spring game will be from 11 to 1 leading into the spring game live on WCHL. Uh, follow Inside Carolina for plenty of basketball scoop. There's a lot out there. and But remember, a done deal is not a done deal until it's a done deal. Thanks, boys. It's been the Inside Carolina podcast. Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Greg Barnes, Luke Buxton, Gregory Hall. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.